0: eats out every day, but people don't think about how food arrives on the plate. This is Grounded, and I'm Lauren Mitchell. Join me as we delve deep into the challenges, expertise, and experiences of professionals and innovators in the food service industry. Grounded is powered by the Buyer's Edge Produce Division. Our mission is to provide innovative solutions and excellent service to food service operators. Today's guest is someone that has been referred to me over and over again. He's held various regional and corporate operations positions with the Cheesecake Factory, specifically in the past 18 years, and opened over 120 restaurants with the brand, including overseeing all restaurants in Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, and Dubai. It's fascinating. His job was to deliver delicious, memorable food and to exceed guests' expectations while delivering quality, balanced profit. Senior Vice President of Culinary and Supply Chain, currently at Walk On's Sports Bistro, where he's been for about nine years. Mike Turner, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be able to spend like 45 minutes or so getting to talk to you.
0: I am too. And having a a time to speak with you before this call, I've gotten to know truly the variety um, of experience you've had. And I kind of want to start there because... There is so much to be learned from each brand, just given the unique, not only ingredients that you're touching and supporting, but also just the culture and the styles. So, um, taking us back to your time with Cheesecake Factory, you know, how can you sum up your experience there and part of what your role involved, as well as, you know, some of the things that you still stuck with, with you professionally today, as far as what you apply?
1: Yeah, I would, I would love to answer that question because that was, uh, you know, I started. I started with Cheesecake Factory early on in the evolution of, of who they were. You know, they they went public around '92 or '93. I joined in 1995. They were just starting to grow. I like to explain that part, portion of my life is uh, is going to the Harvard uh, University of, of restaurants. You know, um, the level of talent that was that was there at that time and still there, and being able to be on the front line of watching this. You know, now you know, 2.5 plus billion dollar company grow, um, mm-hmm. with all the different training processes and procedures put in place, but also the culinary prowess, you know, um, you know, David Overton being the founder and being the vision of the food and having probably arguably one of the best palates ever, 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 you know, and the man could just walk by food and smell it, know if it was right or wrong. He had that oh, wow. kind of memory. And, uh, and then chef Bob, chef Bob, Okura, a, a mentor and, uh, arguably one of the best chefs on the planet especially in the national brand space what he did in in casual and upscale casual dining and how he developed and designed the menu not only for volume but for flavor being flavor forward was incredible i had an opportunity to start out as a young executive kitchen manager and within a year or so of doing that position a gentleman by the name of mr mark pratt we used to call him sparky and he was the the vice president of kitchen operations at the time, and he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. You know, he took me along with this journey. He's like, "Look, um, come on the road with me. Let's open some restaurants. I'm going to teach you a lot. You know, just listen and learn. Don't speak." And uh, and, and you know, I promise that you'll you, you'll learn a lot. And I certainly did. And I traveled and opened restaurants, and then I settled into several regional positions throughout throughout the U.S. and being able to oversee and run teams of culinary professionals. You know men and women who were committed to doing it better than everybody else every single day growing their careers and and just seeing that evolve and that along with seeing the total evolution of the cheesecake factory menu you know churning out two menu rollouts a year you know massive menus from scratch i mean it was incredible experience and from that point it took me to los angeles where i worked uh Running those restaurants, I did a couple things in the Culinary Center with Chef Bob. Some 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 teaching classes and some workshops. He was uh, he was he was uh, offered me to come in and help out, and, and I really appreciated that. And then I had the opportunity to go to the Middle East and open up restaurants over there, and that was a fascinating experience because I got a chance to not only learn a different side of the business, you know, um, started really leveraging in supply chain a little bit because at that point we were shipping everything over, so there was a transitional period where we needed to. Figure out how to get some products local, so we started doing that. Started wow. working on a commissary structure there as well, which had never happened before. And then just working with amazing men and women, you know, who were coming from all different countries all over the world, and were coming to work for this company that you know, they never, they didn't really know, but it was a dream for them. And you know that that experience was providing them the money and the income they needed to take care of their families at home. It's such a sacrifice for these ladies and gentlemen, to leave home for a year or two years to go work in a completely different country, to make the brand, to build the brand and to have, um, to be, God, I don't know how many thousands and thousands of thousands of miles away and walking into a, a cheesecake factory that looks exactly like Los Angeles, California, and the same vision and values and, you know, everything, the culinary prowess and the quality of food and seeing that from that team was, was really a proud moment.
0: That is so cool. So I'm going to stop you there because I have a question with that. So here here's a common example with so many brands where they start in U.S., they have some success and then they want to grow and go international. What can you tell me aside from, as you said, the footprint is the exact same as if you were walking into a cheesecake factory in L.A., but everything from even the cases the produce come in or perhaps just the distribution model. You mentioned commissary. What are the key differences, would you say, in in the u.s distribution of supply chain model for supply for cheesecake factory versus how you stood it up over in the middle east just based on what's it's common practice over there
1: yeah that's a that, that that's a great question because there's a, there's a lot when you look at going global and how you grow that so it's it, it's economy of scale the first thing that i've learned is that you have to really partner up with someone who knows and understands how to do it and has relationships in country to be able to grow that network because there are there are things that you're going to bring over initially, and there are things that after you get those over to the country, you're going to look to locally to be able to either piggyback on things or produce things. For example, uniforms, those kind of things as well. Even smallwares can be bought locally. So the first thing is partnering up with someone who understands what that looks like and has connections in country. Um, the second thing is it's the multiples. Opening one really doesn't work. You really have to open two or three or four or five to make make it scalable financially when you're talking about bringing over containers of product the amount of time it sits on the water you know getting through port port of customs and then being able to distribute that in country you know that that's quite a long and lengthy time so you have to be very aware of shelf lives perishable items there's a lot of import export laws and coding there that you have to work around that's all doable but it's really about understanding that um so you've got to really make it scalable as well and then third you know uh you know, global uh, global distribution or opening restaurants globally really solely has to rely on the supply chain and having uh, the supply chain team go in and and do their work. Right, boots on the ground, visiting other restaurants that are in that area, looking for like for like products, understanding what can be piggybacked on or off that's in those brands. And then really isolating your proprietary brands or what you're truly going to bring in versus what you can get locally. So you can tag on to distribution models that way. So you're, you're shipping over what you need to be shipping over, which is truly a brand identity item that you need. And then you can tag on to other items, whether in country or other brands are bringing those over. And that helps control the cost and it help to also protect the shelf life.
0: Bound. Wow. So number one, partnering up with someone over there already who had the existing connections and relationships. We hear this all the time on the show is relationships rule in this industry. That's a great example of it lived out loud with a, with the global growth. Um, two, power in the multiples and how to scale financially. So not just one, but I think that can be applied here in the US too. That's a, that's a great one. Um, Shelf led quality and impacts, consideration of import-export laws. Great one. Um, and then just sending a, a supply chain team or I even imagine food safety experts out ahead of time to kind of find the like ingredients and, um, and keeping up the brand integrity in terms of, of products over there. Thank you. Those were fantastic. So I'm going to take us away from Cheesecake Factory for a minute and over to Dave & Buster's, another brand that you've had some time with. Tell me what, what specifically did you do with Dave & Buster's and, and what are some of the learnings that you have um, now looking back on that time?
1: That's, that, that was a fun time too, because I was, I was able to jump on with Dave and Buster's early on. They had like five restaurants, you know, and and back then it was, you know, Dave and Buster actually were (laughs) in the restaurants every day. Um, they were very much involved And you know, Dave ran the, uh, vending side and the whole fun side and, and Buster was the food guy, you know, and, and, and it's, I don't know if you know their story, but, You know, you know, Dave had a, uh, like a, like an amusement thing and Buster had a restaurant they decided to just partner up and do a Dave and Buster's, but yeah, and Buster had also worked with Fridays, TGI Fridays. So that, that style of cooking, that methodology that came from TGI Fridays, he brought with him, um, they were a very culinary driven company, you know, um, everything was made from scratch. So not only did you have, I mean, at that time, where you're doing one hundred dollars to $120,000 a week in food sales, you also had the Murder Mystery Dinner Theater. Okay. So you had all of that. So you're feeding 200 people in the showroom. And then you had private parties going on around the outside of the gaming. And then you had the restaurant inside. So on a Friday or Saturday night, you've got a banquet chef, an assistant banquet chef rolling on a party of 200. You've got him also overseeing all the different private parties that are going on. And now, by the way, you're kicking out, you know, 15, 20, $25,000 on a Friday night out of the window with tickets. You wow. Know, would sell food to an expo and the expo would garnish everything and it would go. Um, that, that experience taught me, uh, you know, a higher level of scratch cooking at that time, had to multitask and manage certain areas within the restaurant and oversee a larger, you know, uh, staff of chefs. Um, and it taught me volume. Really taught me volume, how to handle volume, you know, just day after day after week after week of doing this high volume. So I I really got conditioned to that pace early on in my career and conditioned to that kind of volume and kind of speed of doing things, which I think I've continued to, uh, to carry on over the years.
0: So you're currently with Walk Ons Sports Bistro, and I'm super excited to talk about this brand. For those that aren't familiar, it was founded by Brandon Landry, an actual walk on to the LSU baseball team. Um, And and researching about this brand, it's it's truly built on passion, tradition, its desire to serve the communities, of course, but um, really kind of the hometown hospitality. So I wanted to travel through these different brands so that you can understand how Mike has applied all of this to his current position and role with walk-ons and kind of hear about some of the exciting things they have going on there. So how would you kind of, how would you define your key principle to drive decision-making right now for um, walk-ons as it pertains to your current role? And maybe just kind of describe what your current position is there and and what you're involved with on the day-to-day. Love to
1: I've worn multiple multiple hats, you know, here with the company. You know, I started out in culinary and training, and then I moved into culinary operations and restaurant operations for a while, and then I had the chance to, you know, go into culinary R and D and supply chain. Oh, maybe about six years ago, um, and then you know, currently I am the senior vice president of culinary and beverage. We're actually transitioning supply chain this week to someone who's joined our team and she is amazing and incredible and she's going to take us to the next phase and the next level. Um, awesome. So I've had a chance to do several things, but on the supply chain side, you know, we worked very hard and very diligent to build a, a program that we're proud of here that's based on partnerships, mm-hmm. leveraging our volume, telling our story uh, and partnering up with, 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 with partners that have integrity. You know, every decision we make is going to be based on quality and integrity and does it fit into our vision and our values of who we are. Um, so that was an important thing early on and being able to grow these relationships. I started uh, with Walk On when we had four restaurants. And so I was, you know, I was able to really meet uh, the local vendors here that, 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 that Brandon had partnered up with. And then as we continue to grow and add different leaders of different levels of leadership, continue some of those relationships here locally, but also expand those relationships to other partners nationally to build what we think and feel is one of the best networks in the country.
0: So how many restaurants currently? I know it's somewhere just shy of 100.
1: We have 80 restaurants currently. Uh, we've just closed our last restaurant. Not closed. We just, we just opened our last restaurant in LaPorte, Texas. So we finished off the year with 13 restaurants this year. Uh, we have a very aggressive growth rate over the next five years. Um, we've recently gone through uh, a level of leadership changes. We brought in some very, very, very talented executive leaders to take us to the next level and to the next phase. We've partnered up with Ten Point Capital out of Atlanta, which is the best private equity partner you could ever have. That really allowed the the uh, the executive team and the leadership team to be able to do the things they need to do to continue to protect the brand and go and grow the brand. You know, smart. You know, maintaining quality, maintaining consistency. You know, being able to invest in the proper technology to continue to make us successful. And I say that because you know a lot of times you don't see that, right? A lot of times you know, you know, some some partners may come in and want to try and, and do this. You know, everyone that we brought in to this team has bought into our mission and our vision and our values and continues to, to really leverage in on the quality, especially on the culinary side and our food and what we're buying and how we're buying and how we're procuring along with, you know, who we're hiring and continuing that walk-ons way to really enhance who we are and where we're going. And that's what's got me the most excited, you know, this has been the love of my life. Being here, you know, when you when you leave a company like I was at before, with such a rich culture and such strong leadership and talent, you know, you, you it's hard to ever find that again. Um, I was lucky to find it again here, and I and, and and be a part of of this as it continues to grow. A small part of this as it continues to grow.
0: That's awesome. So I've been looking a lot about restaurant trends for what was predicted for 23 and did it pan out and then also what they're predicting to be kind of the key trends for 24 now this is different than the ingredients those are also fun to look at too what what items are trending as far as flavor um, and that but you know one of the things is just about restaurant growth and the strategy to drive decisions into to new sites so some brands have multiple brands underneath their umbrella and they're looking at some of the co-branding footprints to kind of optimize their distribution profile by bringing some of the concepts together within the same, you know, strip center area, for an example. Um, other concepts, um, you know, Ghost Kitchen is kind of a, a different thing, but they're more just relying on third party apps. But with that kind of becomes a new space inside the restaurant that's required for for the cooking for that certain menu that's now lifted on the apps that is different from the one that you're looking at when you sit down. What Talk to me about the growth strategy for Walk On Sports Bistro and where you kind of live and, and pitch your tent. Is it strictly focused on the the in in restaurant dining experience? Do you, you know, what are the other options that you guys are plugged into as far as ensuring that you maximize your space and and profit?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great question. You know, we um, you know, prior to COVID, we were maybe you know nine and a half to ten percent to go sales. Like everyone during COVID, we were you know twenty five or thirty percent, and we. We've been able to manage, you know, about 12% to go sales currently. So 1PD, 3PD, and we've recently brought in addition to that team as well, really working on a loyalty, our loyalty app and really leveraging that to be able to get off-premise sales. We know that off-premise sales in 2024 is a major focus of ours. That's one of our goals for next year's. How do we continue to grow our off-premise through different varying networks? Um, and we've invested a lot financially in growing that. With the technology of different screens, our packaging, we've, we've leveraged heavily yeah. on buying the best packaging that we can and make sure that it travels because we want guests to get that true experience. The way we build our food to go, mm-hmm. you know, makes it very easy for guests to get home and not have to figure out how it's supposed to be. So we worked on that as well. We've looked at a limited menu of to-go items. We just know certain things may not travel well. So we want to make sure that we don't put something out there. that's not going to get to a guest home. It's not going to be a great representation of who we are as a brand. Um, we've leveraged very heavily on our party platter menu or our tailgate menu, so we can offer larger offerings, whether it be boxed lunches for offices at a really good price point, selling core containers of our you know crawfish étouffée and our you know chicken and sausage gumbo or our red beans, where they're just you know delicious, right? True Louisiana cuisine. Um, or just, you know, just larger versions of our of our menu that you can take back to your office or to a private party as well. You know, inside the four walls, based on our current design, and again, you know, the design team here has done a phenomenal job with a new uh, Heart of the House and Front of the House Blueprint, is also building out an elevated to-go room and a to-go space where we can really, you know, embody that experience with dedicated parking and line of sight into the parking lot and be able to service those guests coming in and out. But we're going to continue to keep churning inside the four walls. You know, we are five to six million AUVs right now. Of that is 75% food sales. So it's a, it's a big task to be able to kick that amount of food or execute that amount of food out of the kitchen. And we're going to continue to keep leveraging that. So for 2024, we're going to grow our existing to go on off-premise sales. Our goal is to get to 20%. We're going to continue to maintain our volumes in-house. We've invested heavily in technology to be able to do that and to educate and train you know, our teammates. And then you know, looking at how can we continue to capture one PD, three PD, you know, off-premise sales to go sales by changing our design to be able to make it a little bit more user-friendly for guests who wanna come in and pick something up in our restaurants.
0: Fantastic. All right, let's talk a little bit more about just food service and restaurant and industry as a whole, taking a step back um, from walk-ons and just from your perspective in general. What do you believe to be the greatest need in the food service industry today?
1: Oh, honesty, honesty, you know, like what, what we look for is, you know, you know, partnering up with a, with someone who has integrity. I mentioned that before, but being able to have honest, candid conversations and being able to hold each other accountable and equal, you know, and being able to, you know, to know and negotiate where the money is, but also having some disclosure with that as well. You know. I think we do a really good job of going, you know, approaching our vendors and looking at the best pricing and how do we negotiate the best price and how do we maximize logistics and freight to be able to do that? Because we're a franchise driven company.
0: very important. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We are concerned about franchisee profitability first and foremost. And the job of the supply chain team and everyone in this office is to be of service to our franchisees. You know, that's the economic engine that turns all of this. So you know, I look for some honest, candid conversation. um I look for someone who could grow with us, who understands the of service mentality that um, you know check your ego and let's just get down to serving our guests and serving our franchisees who serve our guests, taking care of those general managers and executive kitchen managers that are doing the job every single day um, and then being able to present what their growth plan is for us as we grow one year three year five year ten year vision and make sure they can grow with us and we're going to continue to to be taken care of and and be an integral part of what they're doing.
0: That's a big one. That's every one of our clients this year have put that expectation back um, toward us. You know, as you can see, we're growing. How are you meeting us in that growth? It's a huge one right there. Okay, how about looking back from when you started your career, so pre-Cheesecake even, Dave & Buster's, to today, what do you believe to be the greatest improvement within the supply chain industry?
1: Hmm, I would say probably technology. Yeah, you know, and the ability to see, you know, so you know, through you know, here we leverage very heavily in technology and information. You know, you know, the team here, uh, whether it be reading the Wazi report every month, you're looking at the Consumer Price Index and the CPI and the, and the impacts of 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 inflation. Um, Comtel, you know, we went in early on with a relationship with Comtel to look at futures and forecasting models, so we can tell the story. The old days you had to rely on someone to give you that information. Now we can go on, we can click on, we can go on to Earnaberry, we can look at the forecasting models for the next four or five months and make some really smart strategic decisions based on the menu and the menu design. Companies like Aerostream, you know, partnering up with Aerostream and being able to track inbound trucks, you know, are the buyers, you know, purchasing a random right amount of product to maximize our freight as we, as 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 it travels into the opcos and the distribution centers and then you know weekly calls with our with our top 5 vendors and looking at information so you know with our broadline partner we're on the phone you know every friday and we go through all the 8 or 9 opcos that we have and we're looking at our top 50 our top 50 really control the majority of our cost especially for our franchisees and we're looking at what the impacts are week over week over week opco to opco to see what the freight efficiencies are and if we can do a better job uh, and then looking at what's coming in the following week on how those POs are cut and what that impact may be to our franchisees as well. So I would say technology has been massive, massive and huge for us.
0: Yeah, I am big fans of the gentleman over at Aerostream. They have an incredible team there. Um, Jeff Doerr has an awesome outfit and I'm glad you brought them up. But you're right, access to technology, visibility into cost, that's huge. And and setting up some of those, um, you know, but. but same cadence every single week to look at costs and how it's changing um, and the reports too. It's, it's very, very powerful. So in our industry, relationships keep our business grounded. You covered this a little bit in the in the global growth concept, but how how else can you speak toward the the importance of relationships as far as how do you utilize it just here in the U.S. and with walk-ons?
1: You know, I've learned that this week wheel will get to You know, um, so Something that I think that we really pride ourselves on is, you know, early on, early on, when we just started growing, we established relationships and we sold our vision. We brought in our partners here to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is where our office is currently. We brought them in and we had, we introduced them to the team and we formed these relationships and we would, we would show them what our long-term strategic vision is. What our one-year, three-year, five-year, 10-year plan is. Um, And we continued to do that. When we got into you know COVID and all those, t- all, those, all those places because of the relationships that we have with our vendors and because of the belief they had that we're going to continue to grow and that we're going to be a 500-unit chain in the next seven years uh, and we've continued to open restaurants and grow year over year over year, we got what we needed and we continue to get what we need because of the relationship that we've had and the honesty and the candor and also showing them our vision and our growth. What we do every quarter is we get on a call with all of our vendors. And we do a state of the union and we talk about where we're going, what we're doing, what our sales trends are. And oh, by the way, don't forget us. We're continuing to open, 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 grow, 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 and and, and do these things. And because of that, they're truly invested in us as a brand. Yeah. There's a synergy between us. You know, um, they get, they get us, they get the walk-ons underdog mentality, which is what we are. You know, a walk-on is an underdog. Everybody who works in this office is an underdog. Every Every lady and gentleman that work, every teammate that work in our restaurants is an underdog. And everyone has that underdog story, that underdog mentality. And people resonate with that. They understand that. And I think it makes us attractable as a partner. We also, and very important for us is our job is to protect our vendors like our franchisees. We're the liaison between both of them. So, you know, our job is to make sure that we're, you know, holding our vendor accountable we're setting expectation and standards, but we're also selling and telling their story. And we're doing the same thing with our franchisee and being able to meet in the middle and understand and then be of service to both sides so we can all prosper.
0: Excellent. And, and what you're speaking to as far as the quarterly update, that it's so cool when brands do that. We um, we had one with Potbelly in this last quarter and, and, and listening to them about their vision and their goals and it truly invests the suppliers and the mission and the values of their brand. So I'm a, I'm a big advocate of those. I think that's great that you guys take the time to do that. All right. So those of us in supply chain, but specifically in fresh produce management, um, there's a ton of just rush, rush, hustle and, and really challenges um, we have to problem solve all the time. How do you identify potential risks or or mitigate issues? Just using your experience or just your your history in the industry?
1: Regarding food safety, just overall, just delivery well, of the
0: product. Yeah. Either. Either. Well, I mean.
1: You know, I, I, we, we, we really elevated our game when we started a partnership with, with you guys, Fresh Concepts. I mean, up until then, who we were using before was, it was tough, right? It was a distributor-owned network. It made it very hard for us to grow. Um, there were long calls, you know, and we really didn't, we really didn't like that. And, and, and we saw early on that for us to get to that 300, 400, 500 unit mark, which is where we're going, we had to, we had to partner up with somebody else. You know, we have our own internal mechanisms that we look at for food safety. We go and we visit the distribution centers and the the produce providers, and we do those things, but we also rely heavily on our partnership with Fresh Concepts to be able to do that for us. You know, being able to negotiate on our behalf, to be able to get full truckloads in and out, to maximize food efficiencies, to be able to help on the food safety side, and then the technology that you guys have and what you present to us and what our executive kitchen managers have the ability to be able to do the real-time ticker of where the pricing is, yeah. being able to handle the credits, the market reports, all of that is not only an educational piece, but it also helps to you know, hold our EKMs accountable and our vendors accountable as well. Um, so I would like to say that this has probably been the easiest side of the business for us, is the produce side, because we've got such a great partner that we invested heavily in, and you guys invested in us and continue to do a phenomenal job.
0: So good to hear. I love it. All right. So we're going to wind down towards some rapid fire questions, but I have one more question as far as, um, you know, your professional career and, and, and some of your beliefs. Tell me something that you've learned as a result of your role that everyone should utilize in their life.
1: Be humble, be hungry, be the hardest person, uh, be the hardest worker in the room.
0: Stay hungry. I love it. Okay. Some rapid fire. What is something that you do every day that keeps you grounded?
1: Um, I, I, I find, and where I get grounded is I wake up at 5.30, 5.45 and I go to the gym and I usually walk in there at 5.45 with a completely different mindset than when I walk out. And I take that time to be able to process the day, to walk myself through what I need to do, to re-ener- re-energize myself, to re-engage myself, Um, to, 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 to empower myself to be a better version of who I am, knowing that I've got to go out and really make some impacts throughout the day and knowing that I got to be a better version of myself today than I was yesterday. And so I take that time for me. I'm either listening to music. I'm listening to a podcast. I'm doing something to better myself during that time, knowing that that is the only time that I really get to commit to me. And it's very important and valuable that I do
0: that. Oh, it's so good. I, I share that with you. I know exactly what you're speaking about. How about to the next generation of supply chain, restaurant, culinary, EKM folks, what is your best secret that you're willing to share?
1: Don't overcomplicate it.
0: Mm, that's so good. I love Don't
1: overcomplicate it. The math never changes. How they ran restaurants 40 years ago, it still applies today. How you calculate food costs and labor applies. How you take care of guests, seat guests, turn tables, you know, hold people accountable, follow the flow of the food, first in, first out, food pulls, line checks, food safety. It's all the same you know, the p is a game film, but the game is being played right now. So if you're inside the four walls, you're managing your people, you're managing your product, you're following your systems, you're engaging, you're developing, you're working food quality, you're doing proper on hands, you're proper ordering, you're rotating. If you're doing all of that stuff, you're going to be fine. You'll build sales and you'll retain people. Um, we like to overcomplicate it. You know, we like to make it a lot harder than what it is, and it, it's difficult, right? It's a new labor mold, mold model. Their labors are going up, there's pressure on cogs, I get all of that. But if you just stick to the basics, it's Vince Lombardi at the beginning of every season, gentlemen, this is a football. you know It's, it's getting back to the X's and O's and blocking and tackling. You know, the technology and the reporting will show you where the problem is. But once you figure that out and find it, you've got to go and engage. The answers to all of your questions rely within the teammates and the staff. They will help you to accomplish any goal that you need to accomplish.
0: You are so awesome! I, you are just nailing it. I, I, I love your answers. I think so many are going to resonate with this. This is just—you are such a cool guy to talk to. Um, mentorship. Who's been a mentor for you, and in what way?
1: Had so many mentors, you know, um, I can go through a ton, you know, my my relationship with David Overton, you know, as a founder of Cheesecake Factory and, you know, believing in me when I didn't believe in myself, you know, Mark Pratt, who saw something in me and took me on the road, knowing that I was this young kid who just needed to learn Donald Moore, the old chief culinary officer of Cheesecake Factory that taught me discipline and process and passion for food and holding people accountable you know, Chef Bob of with his love of food and his process about how he got that way and beginning and middle and ending a palate and, you know, trying to create these memory-inducing moments through food and focusing on texture and finesse and nuance and all of those things. To the mentors I have now, you know, whether it's been Brandon Landry or, uh, you know, Chris Dawson, our new, our new CEO here has been a huge asset and a huge mentor for me. You know, uh, you know, really teaching me how to get to the next level and transition to another level of of volume and and execution. So, I'm not the smartest guy in the world by far. Uh, I'm a person that's been very blessed to have a lot of mentors in my life that that invested in me early on and saw something in me I didn't see in myself, and uh, and continued to take me on the journey with them. So, I've been very blessed by being surrounded by hundreds of mentors throughout my life.
0: Don't overcomplicate it, be honest and how to take your restaurant to the next level. This has been such a wonderful conversation. How about if someone wants to get a hold of you to ask you specific questions, you've given some great information here. Do you have LinkedIn or how do you prefer um, we send guests to connect with you? LinkedIn
1: would be perfect. Yeah, on my LinkedIn profile would be awesome.
0: We'll include that in the show notes. Mike Turner, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you guys so much. Have a great day.
0: And that wraps up another episode. We have covered a lot of ground today. Thank you for joining. For show notes and our most updated market report, visit us at groundedthepod.com. Grounded is powered by the Buyer's Edge Produce Division. Our mission is to provide innovative solutions and excellent service to food service operators by leveraging technology, talent, an insatiable appetite to improve.